episode 40 of the Metrofad TV e-rundown coming to you live after the first week of the season, opening the season with the 2-1 losses sporting Kansas City. But it's not panic mode yet, ladies and gentlemen, because after all, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, here to discuss uh, the game and everything that transpired in the Red Bull soccer world and over the last week. Joining us today are, of course, the inimitable Fernando Gonzalez. How are you today, Fernando? Doing all right. Hanging in there, excited for the game on uh on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it's just Chicharito and friends, right? Like we don't really need to spend too much time on that more than we have to. <laughs> I don't even know anyone else in the roster, honestly. He's gonna bin us because he's the biggest name by default, dude. We all know this. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us on the on and joining us today going forward, probably almost every other week. My apologies if you don't like him, but it's Juan Escalante joining us as our third unofficial. Actually, it's pretty official at this point, but joining us as a third wheel on the podcast. How are you, are you today? Hey, guys. Uh, it's a, it's an honor and a privilege to be part of uh, the show. I'm glad that all my work uh, the past two seasons on Metro Fan TV 2 has earned me this promotion to the first team of this podcast. Um, it's not really an honor or a privilege. You don't need uh, to lie to I us. I guess, sure. Know. I'm just trying to be nice. But, uh, <laughs> like, hey, you free on Fridays? Like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm not going anywhere. Um, oh, if we want to talk about LA Galaxy, uh, I looked at the roster the other day, and uh, there are a few names uh, to point out that would be of interest. Of course, uh, Sasha Kleshton is on this team. Um, uh, Jonathan Klinsman oh, is also on this team. I don't think he plays, but... Uh, that is a that is a villain in the back of our minds. If you want to talk about, it. and then they have this guy Ethan Zubak, who's uh, secretly a MAGA guy. Uh, his tweet talking about there being a war on white people has been deleted, but I do remember seeing it. So, <laughs> well, oh, that sounds like a fun team. Sounds like a small time MLS roster, all right. <laughs> the Adam Sasha Yon was... Memorial Spot, all right. <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, uh, it's, it's wild. I only remember that because um, obviously he tweeted that and then delete. This is 2017 because he was on LA Galaxy 2 at the time. And that season they had gone on, a, on an away game to Reno and lost 9-0. I mean, that would be enough to radicalize anyone to become a white supremacist, I guess. <laughs> and who is this? Ethan Zubak. Ethan oh, okay, Zubat. Yeah. Zub- <laughs> That's Zubaz, like the pants. I mean, like he definitely like uh, probably sounds like he screeches a lot in a cave. So in a cave, exactly. <laughs> Fuck out. Shows here. up when you don't want him to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I was told that uh, Joe Biden being elected would have ended MAGA forever, but I guess not. Eh. Yeah, <laughs> right, people. Isn't, isn't Sebastian Legit suspended for a couple games for? Oh yeah, for homophobic comments. Uh, Which, yeah. I mean, you know, apparently yikes. he said he said the p word, a four letter p word on a on like a live stream in Spanish. Uh, just uh, you know, just <laughs> watch your language. You're gonna be really careful here, though, because all the people who speak Spanish are gonna come on here and tell you that it's not homophobic in Spanish to you, right? Spanish speakers, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, Can- man. You can't go off pissing off that demographic. Well, actually, yes, we can, because this uh, podcast is all about the business of pissing people off. 
And in the business of pissing people off, let's talk about our good friends. The season opener against Sporting Kansas City at home. 2-1 loss. I mean, I think on paper, like a probably maybe not the greatest result. But when you actually, I think, watch the game, and I think it's a sentiment that was more or less shared by the fan base at this point in time, right? That basically this 2-1 loss came about at two individual mistakes that were punished to the max, right? And I think um, generally the sentiment that I got, and certainly I think it's pervaded throughout the week, is that this isn't really anything to really get too, uh, too twisted about, right? Like no throwing the TV out the window, no uh, getting on the soapbox and screaming rebel out, and certainly not saying the shield is gone <laughs> off the backs of one <laughs> result, right? Like I think... Um, because I think um, if there's anything to say about the Sporting Kansas City game is that this was certainly a game of two halves, right? And what is particularly intriguing about that is I think if you could characterize the first half as being sort of like a glimpse at what this team could be when they're a fully well-oiled machine, the second half was an unfortunate reality co- reality check that we're not quite there yet in terms of fitness and in terms of uh, maintaining that level of intensity throughout the 90 minutes. But, you know, I mean, I think just to kind of start off the uh, conversation about the game, I mean, undoubtedly, right. I think uh, already a much more cohesive 45 minutes played in that first half than anything. I think we've seen over the uh, past um, couple years, right. Since uh, Jesse Marsh left. I mean, I certainly thought it looked even more like a, a Red Bull team out there. If you know what I mean, like definitely you started to see a lot more of the uh, off-ball stuff that's been sorely lacking for so long, like coming back in a pretty pretty decent way, right? I think you could definitely see that they were funneling SKC into certain parts of the field again. Uh, you could definitely see that there were cohesive pressing triggers. You could see the way that the uh, space was particularly compressed, I think, in the middle, pushing the ball out wide. You know, I think um, so much of that was so sorely lacking under Chris Armist, right? I mean, I don't want to relitigate those years over and over again, but, you know, the image that's burned into my mind when I think about the team that's been the team the last two years is just how flat we looked against RSL, right? And the, the second game of the 2020 season, those like three really bland, flat lines that weren't moving anywhere, you know? Like, like... You saw none of that in the opening 45 minutes, right? I think it's a, I think in that sense, it was really, really encouraging. Um, so I guess we'll begin there. I mean, like, uh, sentiment following this game, gents? Like, how do you guys feel about what we saw? I mean, field? for one, it was absolutely amazing to be back at Red Bull Arena. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I was up in the 200s, uh, damn near at the absolute last row. Um, so it was weird. It was a totally different, you know, vantage point seeing, you know, kind of the tactics, you know, play. It was it was cool. You got you de- I definitely got to see more, uh, see more of the movement and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it was amazing being back at Rebel Arena. Uh, credit to the to the front office and the staff for for getting this done. Um, from what I've heard, logistics have been an absolute nightmare on their side to 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 get this done. So you know, kudos to them and and yeah. Um, it was about as extremely frustrating as a game could possibly be. Uh, that the first forty-five, it was like, wow, <laughs> it was, dare I say, fun. 
which is not a word I, I've been able to describe this team for the better part of, of almost two years. Um, it was it was interesting seeing a group of guys uh, with really not much time at all. I mean, they really didn't have any kind of preseason, at least not any, you know, not that many actual real games uh, like you normally do. They only had a handful of, uh, of scrimmages. Um, so it was really good seeing, uh, uh, you know, a fresh new team, a lot of new faces, new manager, new tactics for not just new guys, but new tactics for for some guys, you know, who've been around for a while. Uh, you know, Brian White actually today um, uh, during the uh, the player interviews, uh, I didn't listen to it before what I heard. He just about stopped short from saying like, yeah, I'm actually like being told to do stuff now. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, so it's 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 so for me that it's, that was an interesting it was an interesting quote from him because it really shows that it's not just the new guys that have to figure kind of you know figure out and learn, but there's obviously a group of guys who've only been here since 2019. They don't know anything about Jesse Marsh. They're 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 post Jesse Marsh uh, signing, so it's it's just about an entire roster for the most part that's starting fresh. Right, it's not just new guys this year. It's an entire roster that has to get acclimated to a new style of play and being under an actual smart, intelligent manager, uh, which they didn't have before if, if they were on his team in 2019 uh, or, or or 2020. Um, so, with that being said, as um, as fun as that first half was, I feel like towards the end of the first half, I de- I definitely got a sense that. Uh, Kansas was like they were getting comfortable, right? Like they were maybe not fully absorbing the pressure, but they kind of like knew what to expect. So they they kind of leveled out a little bit in terms of their mentality. And then the second half came, and between our guys just being tired and just some adjustments being made, uh, uh, DR getting pulled out just completely changed the game. And you know, a couple of uh, a couple of couple of minutes of just mental 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 mistakes and all of a sudden now you know they fell apart so my biggest takeaway from this game is i feel like the most important positive is we saw an actual plan an actual tactical identity like you you know they're doing stuff it may not always work and, and it might take some polishing but there's clear established roles for each player that they have to learn that's something that's been lacking this team for a while um uh two i saw fight i saw fight for a good part of the game that we haven't seen in a while um gutman is a perfect example that my man was gassed he was finished and he was still he was still pressing as hard as he could. He was still going after balls, and he was still pushing forward. Uh, maybe some of the other guys who who um, maybe weren't as uh, as aggressive and all over the place. I didn't see really many people kind of just give up. Maybe uh, kind of just tired and like I just don't have anything left. But it wasn't just giving up, like you know, like what do we do kind of thing. You know what I mean? Um, so that was good to see. I feel like at this point, it's only one game. The fact that there is a tangible tactical identity for them to to, to work towards. The fact that you know two to three of uh, two to three guys 
uh, who've, who've recently come in, didn't touch the field that we'll probably see soon. Um, definitely helps things. So we probably haven't, you know, we haven't even seen the team's best 11. Um, and just with fitness, fitness is going to come. You know, that, that's the kind of thing where unfortunately, especially with as long as a layoff that there was, and then on top of that, not much of a preseason, it's, it's, it's going to come. It's going to get there. So I feel like there's a lot of positive and some of the negatives. I feel like there's already uh, tangible corrections in the near term. Um, to, Do you have anything to add to that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, uh, I think Nando touched on a lot, but, um, you know, 2-1 uh, is a frustrating result. But um, it's one thing to uh, – it's been a while since we get a result that we thought we deserved more of. Uh, that, you know, at the very least, we deserve to get a result out of this game. And uh, I feel like it, it's, it's been a bit of time since we've had that. Like, remember, we, we, we won 1-0 against New York City FC and uh, off a freak goal. And uh, someone who I will not name was taking a victory lap to do that. Um, but this game specifically – um again a loss but there were a lot of good stuff uh to pick out from it the stuff you'd kind of want we saw the return of the press of the you know the style of play that we've we've grown accustomed to seeing um the new guys impressed i think i think you know you have uh yuba diara impressing uh andrew gutman impressing fabio uh uh looking like a real revelation anything short of scoring um, you saw guys um, who we've seen in the past few years uh, s- sort of uh, being put in positions to succeed, uh, specifically like Sean Akira Davis, uh, at least in the first half. Um, you saw Sean Nealis uh, impressing as a surprise in that center back pairing. Um, but uh, there is a, and I think, generally from the fan base is that this understanding that you know this uh you know we dropped three points here but there's clearly more work to do there are some other players coming in um and so uh don't throw out the season after one game that being said Gerhard Struber has been New York Red Bulls manager since October of last year and he has not won a single (laughs) game I am burning my season tickets (laughs) Well, yeah, that's the deal for me, right? I mean, I think um, I'd like to kind of reiterate a point that we touched upon earlier. Like, uh, you know, it's a good reminder that, well, for all the promise that we saw in the first half, that there were reminders that this still is a work in progress, right? I think like Fernando mentioning that I have my doubts that this was Struber's true, like, first choice 11 to even begin with. And I think uh, most of that take is based upon the midfield configuration right now. Right, which kind of uh, still kind of feels like a bit of a work in progress because I think they're still figuring out like who would be the best um, players to fit into this prescribed roles. Right, it's not a case where players are trying to figure out their role. It's a it's a it's a case where the roles are already figured out. They're just trying to figure out who's going to be the people who'll be fitting into those. Right, and I think um, when you look at the way we set up in midfield, you know, I think one name that I've heard. Um, that I haven't heard mentioned yet. I think that really stood out to me. And, and I think it's going to be a pretty big thing to monitor going forward is, you know, Yuba Diara, right? I think he had such a stunning um, so good. debut um, for the, uh, on a, yeah, basically 
stunning debut last week, right? I think uh, it's pretty telling that as soon as he came off the field, like it kind of fell apart momentarily. When we started moving Sean Davis back into that withdrawn role once again, you know, I think um, we haven't had like a tenacious ball winning presence like that, I think, since Tyler Adams left. And, you know, I don't, and, and I don't want to come out saying that, oh, he's just as good as Tyler Adams or whatever. No, but he certainly fits that role, right? To, like a glove, basically. And you can tell, like, you, you, his pedigree showed, right? I mean, just the number of interceptions he was making, the way that he was always looking to make the, the forward pass as soon as he won it back. Like, he really thought so. He really thinks so quickly, you know? And why I say that this is something to monitor going forward is because then it begs the question of who is going to be the contingency plan at the six going forward in the event that he suddenly finds himself unavailable, either because of either, you know, I mean, his injury history or because of suspension or because, you know, if he plays well enough that he gets gets called back into uh, gets called up for the senior Mali team, I think for the first time, you know, these are all things that you're going to have to factor in. And if I look at the roster right now there aren't a whole number of clear-cut um six options so to say right like that anchor man sitting at the base of the diamond i mean i think uh, the names that would probably stand out would be guys like drew yearwood i mean sean davis apparently seems to be the next man on the uh death chart based on his troopers um you know adjustment following dr's substitution but, you know, I mean, like, you already know where I stand in that, right? I've never been convinced uh, too much by Sean Davis at the six. Um, and that's the thing for me, you know? I mean, I think uh, Struber certainly thinks that DR is going to be a very big player for us, right? He said it was a matter of getting him up to 90 minutes fitness. And then it's a matter of him staying healthy. Because he really thinks that he's going to be such a big player for us. That already right off the bat, like, I can't help but wonder who the backup plan is at that position, if he's going to be this influential, right? Because there's no one really right now in the roster, and it stands out to me. Um, other standouts, like you mentioned, I mean, I think, uh, you know, Fabio, like, was fantastic, right? And I think uh, we, we, we all can see, uh, wow, I mean, like, he's... <laughs> The potential to be such a force, you know, and I think the most telling thing about that first half, particularly, is how slow we made all, some of the holdovers from last year look, right? Like Brian White next to Fabio in that two-striker configuration kind of went from being our best on-ball striker to looking a bit off the pace, you know? And I think um, that overturn, right, that sudden creep, I think, could be one of the most interesting things to see this season. Um, especially w- once this team, I think, forms a bit of cohesion and hits their stride. You know, I think uh, a lot of players that have been considered stalwarts or potential pieces from the future suddenly made, suddenly are, have been made to look kind of obsolete, right? Like guys like Brian White, Danny Royer, like uh, it's basically going to be a step-up season for a lot of these guys. Because um, the guys that we've just brought in just look so fucking ferocious, you know, at the yeah. pace that they play, how quick they are at making the decisions in the ball. You already saw some of those quick combination plays, right? That are like a, mm-hmm. like a, you know, I mean, they're a, they're a definitive feature of Struber's attacking system already starting to come together. You know, I think um, in that first half, it's it's really yeah. quite quite interesting. 
But I think the most impressive thing of that first half was it wasn't only the fact that you know the team actually kept on pressing after 20 minutes, um, and it, it wasn't just the level of, of of aggression in terms of the press. It was a transition. I'm preaching this for for ages now with with what I feel was the biggest difference between Armas. It wasn't even the press. It was actually a transition. Um, the whole you know play fast but slow bullshit. I mean the the that narrow diamond allows them to 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 kind of you know hunt in a pack but then transition so quick and so fast with those with those nice you know one two one two touches uh one two uh you know one two touch passes and everything and yeah it, it was it was a lot of fun to a lot of fun to see um what worries me a little bit i think is i feel like gutman's Second half performance dip wasn't only because he was gassed. I, I actually think because he was, I don't know if he was asked to cover more ground or if he just felt he had to because he just saw so much, you know, kind of space out there to cover because because uh, Davis was there, not covering as much ground that Yara was covering. Um, maybe that a bit more. So that's something that I'm slightly worried about where, like you said, who is – who is at six that's going to be able to, to, to kind of take care of things so that way we don't have our fullbacks um, kind of being forced to to uh, kind of do more than what than what he's supposed to because when you have a team, the width is supposed to come from the fullbacks and all of a sudden you have that person kind of, you know, pulling in a little bit and, and kind of having to do more of things that he shouldn't have to, that kind of creates also a small domino effect across – across everything going forward now right mm-hmm. so that's that's something that i think kind of uh kind of worries me just just a little bit and one other interesting thing i thought is clark has been the guy that we've all kind of assumed to be at the the tip of the diamond but now we have maya here who at least based on the interview today uh, of struber he seems like he might be the guy at the tip of the diamond so I kind of just imagine both of them starting at the same time. So now the question is, where where do each of them fit in a starting in a starting lineup? Uh, know, who get who moves over to the, to the more of a Shedler? Is maybe Amaya ends up being uh, uh, being that that six replacement? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that that. Kind of yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, certainly think it's uh, worth taking a little bit of a detour to talk about Caden Clark a little bit because I think uh, he showed a side to his game that I was quietly impressed by. Right? I mean, like, uh, you know, I think he's usually been pinned as being a more attack-minded player, sort of as like a linking presence um, at the tip of the diamond. But in that shuttler role, I think it was really see- nice to see the combative side of his game. Right like uh, come out a little bit more like I was pleasantly surprised at how I had his tenacity in the press and his ability to like fight for those 50 50 balls to bring it back under possession you know and the guy was really active throughout seeking those 50 50 opportunities getting stuck in trying to win the ball back for the opposition right and you know I mean seeing him develop that really nice um haranguing part of his game I think is going to do a lot of good for him um in terms of his two-way development as a player, for sure, right? I think he's, uh, maybe he's very calm. He's very calm under pressure too. When he yeah. won the ball, and it can't, you know, look SKC. They're they're known they're known for pressing too. Maybe not as crazy as we do, but they're they're one of the more pressing teams in the league. 
And when they're certainly would, physical, that's for sure. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he's under pressure. I was at how well he was able to kind of stay composed and find a quick outlet. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's something. Uh, something to say about Clark is that uh, we haven't actually seen that much of him. Like outside of like the goals that he scores, everyone's assuming that he's like the next coming of Lionel Messi or something. But he hasn't really <laughs> shown that much. Um, aside from that, um, as in there aren't, you know, you, you look at his RB two highlights and it's not him scoring goals. It's a lot of him, uh, playing passes up to the strikers, uh, moving the ball really quickly, but, uh, there wasn't that much in the game. There were some moments that he was combining really well, but, um, it was good to see at least him getting involved in other parts of this game and then scoring a banger, which, you know, it's like, if that's his bit, if that's like the bit he's going to do that, I'm only going to score uh highlight real goals. Um, you know, although that would make me kind of sad. I know that he's going to, he's going to Leipzig, but uh, imagine he just scores like three more bangers this year. And then some dumbass premier league team wants to shell out, I don't know, 50 million for him. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, in that sense, he kind of would be the American Letizia, right? Like, just bangers <laughs> only. And then uh, hopefully uh, he doesn't adopt the political side of Letiz. But, right. you know, Letiz died. So RIP. RIP Matt Letiz. He would be, um, um, because he's from Minnesota, he would be like Jesse the Body Ventura level style politics. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I do not want to live in this world uh, where Caden Clark wins a governational govern like election based on bullshit so oh uh, let's God. let's move on from this uh, real quick because i think we're veering into dangerous territory what did you um, think of cornell i guess as the you know i mean i guess as um as a goalkeeper myself haha flashing those credentials and shit you know i mean uh you know i think uh <laughs> i just want to say that i appreciated seeing those pings you know like they were so satisfying right just some of the cleanest like long kicks that I've seen in quite a while. You know, I mean, God bless Luis Robles. I am grateful for his service to the club. Uh, but man, like it was just so nice seeing a goalkeeper, like just not shit themselves the moment that the ball ends up in your feet and making like a rash hurried, like kick out to the side. And you know, I mean, I think again, you know, I think it came as advertised, right? You definitely saw like uh, the athletic side of him, a really nice uh, low stop to stop. I think Gianluca Busio, right? I think on that a low shot across his body that he cleaned up first time round. Very nice to see. Uh, but then also, I think you saw some of the uh, spottier bits of his game, right? I think it looked, it looked a bit hesitant coming off his line. Maybe doesn't look quite comfortable catching crosses. Uh, most of the d things that he dealt with uh, were by the form of punch. You know, I mean, like, I think, um, you know, I think he definitely showed um, that he kind of came as advertised. And, you know, I do hope that uh, Yuri Niemann kind of irons out that um, that tendency to punch a little bit more. Because, you know, I think um, one of the big parts of goalkeeping, of course, is, isn't just shot stopping, but it's also like chance prevention right? And there are generally two thoughts to chance prevention. One would be coming to claim crosses. The other is uh, basically coming off your line to uh, sweep up balls being played in behind, you know, and that's the other metric that goalkeepers are generally um, judged upon. So while I would say that I think his shot stopping looks like it's going to be quite good and his distribution, I think, will fit the Red Bull system perfectly, the way that he manages to hit them so cleanly and so accurately, right, going long. Um, I think the chance prevention needs a bit of work 
But, you know, I mean, he's still only 24 years old, which is relatively young for a goalkeeper. And, you know, I think it's nice, right, to finally have a goalkeeper who can contribute not just with, like, the stops that he makes, but also in the way that he can help act as, like, a safety valve for the back line, especially a back line like ours, which I think isn't the most comfortable on the ball as of yet. I mean, like, outside Aaron Long, we have a whole bunch of really, like, um, raw options right like sean nealis has made improvements but i think he's still he's still a bit raw i think uh andres ray is definitely a bit more raw than we anticipated you know i think uh, having the goalkeeper as an outlet for that being able to play it long under under duress very good safety valve for the back line we're going to be one of the understated things i think um last year especially as teams try and harass us with their own presses is having a goalkeeper who can do that so one thing to watch going forward another thing to say about cornell is that um I think the side effect of having so many young guys on the roster is that no one on this roster can grow a beard. And I am quite impressed with what (laughs) Cornell has got going on. It's beautiful, isn't it? Oh yeah. I can't remember the last time we've had a really good beard on this team, to be honest. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's been a while. Even like, even the older guys on the rosters, like Luis Robles said it himself that uh, his, uh, his genes don't let him grow facial hair that well. Um, And, and like, we've seen, like, really nice mustaches, but not, like, a nice beard, right? Like Not I since probably maybe Johnny Steele. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, I mean, uh, I think uh, I'd just like to go on the record saying that Florian Velo's stash has a lot more drip than Sasha Questions, which may be a bit of a controversial take. But <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, um, let's... let's um, Let's talk about someone who I think, um, so I think I mentioned as well, right? I think uh, let's talk about guys who may be on the block a bit this year, right? Because I think we can tell from the way that they played in that first half that it's going to be a show me year for a lot of guys. And I think the two guys in particular who that we can point to uh, would probably be Kyle Duncan and Christian Caceres Jr., right? I think... um, I wasn't really sold in Caceres as the 10 and Kyle Duncan, you know, I think is really, I mean, all things considered just really seems to be such a Jekyll and Hyde player like week in week out. Right. I think, um, I'm not really convinced that he's going to be a fit for how the fullbacks are going to operate in the system. You know, I think I said it at the, I said it on Twitter, like after the game, but the team was entirely justified in looking for a new striker looking for a new right back, right? Like someone who's probably going to be offering more of a consistent attacking outlet than Kyle Duncan is. And, you know, I mean, I think if you look at his heat map, you'll say, oh, I mean, he was getting a fair amount of touches on the right-hand side. But if you look at the map, like it's all moments in isolation, right? Like there's none of that continued fluidity that I think in ferrying the ball forward that you'd like to see from a fullback in a Red Bull system, right? And that's always kind of been the thing about Kyle Duncan, right? Is that he's always been a reactive player. A lot of things happening in isolation. None of that continuous, like, linking play <clears throat> that I think you'd like to see from the Red Bull fullback. You know, uh, like, I certainly think that that last game, definitely not a great, I think, advertisement for what he was capable of doing. And, you know, I think as the season goes on, if he doesn't make that next step, I mean, like, you have to ask yourself, like, how, how long are you going to be willing to take to let this guy develop, right? Is there any more development that this guy has? 
because this development excuse, this idea that he has, he'll get better with being given more playing time, has a very limited runway. If the guys don't show anything, um, you know, even if you play them, right? Playing time is not a panacea with player development, right? After some point, the player will have to figure things out. If he can't, you know, I mean, based on how the guys we brought in, like, played in that first half, there certainly seems to be a whole bunch of guys who will be willing to take that spot from him. You know, I think it's definitely a show-me season for the, for him in that sense. Yeah, I think that's a, that's probably that's probably a really good way to put it. That with Duncan, that it's it's a lot of just isolated individual moments that he gets involved in. I, I now now that I think about it, I can't recall him really being too much involved in like being a part of a sequence. It was just like a moment, and hey, look, Duncan is involved, kind of thing. Um. My my biggest my biggest worry with Duncan is it it's it doesn't seem like it's something related to like tactics, right? Where it's like um you see certain flaws or moments in a game where it's like, oh you know what? Maybe you kinda of just drill in for him to, to do X and Y, you know, he won't be in this position, he won't be in this situation or whatever. It's it's just like basic stuff I feel like sometimes with him. You know, spatial awareness, it's been a problem with him forever. As long as he's been with the team, I feel like he, he's not, like, aware of of everything that's happening around him at every moment. It's like you said, he reacts, right? So he, he gets to the ball, and then it's, okay, what do I do now? Let's, let's see, let's, let's look around and, and see what my options are, and Maybe I'll read a book in between Fortnite and you know, I'll put my, my, my phone out and play Among Us or something. He doesn't he's not fluid. He doesn't get to the ball and already know what he's doing. And I think that kind of goes along with that mindset that, that Jess used to always talk about where they play they train at you know, they they, they train to play at hundred miles an hour so that way they're faster than everybody. They're thinking so much quicker. So that way by time a situation, a moment happens for an individual player they all already know what they're doing. And I feel like the perfect example of this is that that clip that I've probably posted on Twitter a thousand times of that game against City where um, Adams gets the ball and it is instant. I mean, it is scary how exact duplicate movement between Royer and Brad at that at that time to go immediate into transition like that type of quick thinking like they saw the Adams they sort of uh, 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 the Tyler won the ball and they knew turn go back just transition forward you don't see that with 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 Duncan he gets to the ball something happens and then he starts thinking about what to do next you you, you that's not acceptable for this type of team if you're a possession oriented team where you're you're designed to just play slow Okay, I guess maybe. I mean, I feel like even then you should still always be thinking of, of of what to do next, even if you're still holding on to the ball. But with this team, it's by time you get the ball, if you win the ball, you need to know before your foot touches that ball what you're what you're gonna do next. You need to have an understanding of where the guys are around you, where they're moving, and what you're supposed to do. And I never see that. And I feel like anytime he does try to do that. He just like pings the ball somewhere to a general area that a player's in, 
and then he ends up turning over. And that's exactly what, what, what basically led us to, to, uh, to two turnovers that led to goals. The first one, he just, I don't even know what the hell he was doing, but ball was immediately turned over. Gutman was kind of caught off guard and the ball hits him. And now we got a penalty. And then the second goal, same deal, turnover. I mean, that's to me, that's not that's not development. You can't be his age and not and still not understand that part of the game of just always thinking ahead. Whether you're possession based and and you you you're you're going to hold on to the ball, but you still kind of know what you need to do. Or especially on this team where you need to know what you're going to do before you even get to the ball. That's just to me. That's such a basic thing. That's not development, Mike. I, I mean, you don't you don't teach someone that at 24, 25, 26 years old, you know? Yeah, I think the, the biggest casualty probably of, of Andrew Gutman impressing on his debut is that it's showing how much uh, Kyle Duncan is lacking. Like you saw Kyle Dun- uh you saw uh, Gutman, just shades of, of Kimar Taxi Lawrence, just like always being a step faster than the opposition. And when he was isolated, uh, especially in the first half, he was just putting a foot right. He wasn't getting past guys. Um, when the ball was at his feet, it was always in front of him. He didn't need to like take five, six little touches uh, to do that to get up forward. Um, and I think I've said I've said with Kyle Duncan in the past that he always seemed like he was kind of a tweener, where he wasn't. It's this weird thing where like uh, he wasn't good enough going forward to warrant being a winger, but he's not good enough defensively to be trusted at the right back position. And I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe do you play him as a wing back in sort of a three center back formation? But I don't know if Struber wants to like put in an extra guy to accommodate uh, what Kyle Duncan needs to do. Um, we're just counting down the days till, uh, till, till Tom Edwards is back in. Yeah. That's right. At least he's with the. At least he's with the team. It's just a matter of. He's you know, training in days out for his quarantine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think. Um. In that sense, right. I think you could definitely see like why they were after a right back like Tom Edwards, right. I mean, just watching the watching the reel, like you could see. A. I think he's a more consistent delivery. Right. He can ping in a pretty good cross, but also, I mean, like when you talk about decisiveness and just going forward, I mean, like that's what he is, right? Attacking minded fullback who loves to bomb down the right-hand side, you know? And if there's one thing that I will knock on Duncan, it's just how consistently meek he looks, right? Not just, like, going forward, but also, like, um, you know, I think combatively, like you mentioned at one, like, Goodman looks so good fighting for every ball, right? He's not intimidated by the situation. He's not easily bowled over. You compare that to Kyle Duncan, who's always kind of been a bit of a waifish player, I think, has been mentioned. Doesn't really seem to do as well in these, like, uh, physical situations, you know? And I think, like, in that sense, you know, I mean, I've said it many times, you know, I think I've said it, I've said it before. Like, if he doesn't show anything throughout the duration of the season, I think I'm, like, what's the point of just keeping him around, right? I think, yeah. like, at that point, you have to ask yourself, like, how much am I going to be able to get for this guy on the market? which I think all things considered, considering that he has a recent U.S. under-23 call-ups under his belt, along with uh, the fact that he's a young domestic American fullback, that could be able to command you quite a decent amount on the open market, especially considering how much international slots are going to be under more scrutiny going forward in 2022, right? Um, I guess I want to draw our attention, I think, uh, just to close out discussion, to uh, the other name that I mentioned. You know, I think... um, Christian Caceres Jr. 
I think a bit of a seems to be a bit of a fish out of water in this uh, formation, right? I think my general take on the guy is is that he seems to be more suited to be like a traditional center midfielder in a five-man midfield. You know, I don't think he's particularly mobile. Uh, his touch is a bit heavy, so he can't really play up top. Um, it definitely seems like the type of guy who would probably excel playing alongside a more mobile um, destroyer as like the first attacking outlet, right? And you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of, you know, uh, a bit perplexed about where he actually fits into this um, system. This four four two, you know, like I, I, I don't know where to pin him. I'll, I'll be very honest with you. You know, I know he's been here like I think three years now, especially. So like, and he still hasn't really shown anything. I think. I mean, of course, you can say, oh, the first two years were under Armis. I understand that. You know, every player took a step back under Chris Armis. It's not the ideal development situation. I think uh, having a lack of uh, direction from the manager. But now that excuse is gone, right? I think uh, you can tell from the way that he carries himself in his press conferences that Gerhard Struber is at least a much more tactically versed manager than Chris Armis. So I think, you know, if, if, if he can't show anything, right, this year, like, he's another one that you have to consider, I think, moving on, especially considering the fact that, you know, I think his countrymen, right? Wickelman Carmona, surprise, surprise, having been pinned as a Red Bull 2 player for most of the year, and I made his debut. Like, his first professional minutes were given in, I think, the last, what, 20 to 30 minutes of this game? And despite his relative freshness, you know, I think he 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 looked more, he looked quite promising. I think he showed a level of uh, intent that I haven't quite seen from Caceres yet. You know, showed the ability to want to drive the ball forward at the very least. And of course, I mean, like you talk about just having an absolutely magical left foot, right? I mean, like uh, that training clip that he showed with that free kick in training. Ooh. Apparently coming with that reputation as a free kick specialist from Venezuela. Very interesting player, right? And it really just kind of highlights the cut level of competition that will be for these spots this year, you know? I mean, I think we can genuinely afford to be a bit more ruthless with some of these players, you know, in that sense. Um, and I guess, you know, I, I, I guess we do have to make a bit of a detour on the backs of that to talk about Carmona a little bit, right? I mean, I thought that was a pretty intriguing cameo. Obviously, nowhere close to being the finished product, but, you know, I think he flashed some pretty interesting things, right? Like, I think uh, the intent driving the ball forward was one. The want to always try and progress the ball, right, with his passes. Like, I think it shows that he kind of at least already thinks faster than Caceres does, even though the technical ability may not necessarily be there yet. But the mental stuff is, you know, I think it's rare to see that in someone who's, who hasn't had any professional minutes prior to this. But I suppose, like, that's why he came so highly touted for Venezuela, right? Very, going to be quite interesting seeing him uh, progress over the course of the season. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely disappointed to, to not have seen uh, Castro's kind of make that leap. Um, I really, really, really thought that he would have been able to. I mean, I, I always knew that he didn't really have the physical attributes to um to cover a ton of ground and all that but he always it seemed like he had 
the 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 awareness and the ability to kind of read the game pretty well to kind of um, put himself in spots and kind of be there sooner than he would just by kind of like just understanding what's going to happen next if you if, if you know what i mean yeah but i i wonder if it's a combination of just not being able to take that to the next level tied with at a certain point when you're physically not able to to cover that ground and and, and be certain places there's only so much you can use that that awareness as a crutch and then they both kind of fall apart you know um so yeah I, i'm 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 definitely a little disappointed that uh that he didn't make that leap uh well, I, well it's the technical I, I really side of things things as well right i mean like like i mentioned you know his touch has never been particularly fantastic yeah. and that doesn't really yeah. help when you have to operate in really tight spaces i think at the professional level you know but yeah, finish yeah, I mean, uh, no, yeah. I mean, it, it's very possible that you know his ceiling dropped perhaps a little bit um, from being on, on from being under Chris Armis and not really having that that level of guidance. But it's still, I, I still feel like there are certain things that, as an individual player, you kind of expect to see growth in, regardless of of you know the the, the whole situation and and. We really haven't we really haven't seen that, so I really have no idea where he fits in this, and, and that 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 he's definitely a player I can see. Uh, I I could see him having value with a different team that maybe doesn't you know need what we need from our guys. You know, a, a totally different system. He probably is a is a is a really good player, but I think for the level of aggressiveness that Struber wants to play. Um, I just, I just don't, I don't see it. It'd be funny if he, if uh, CCJ is the, uh, is the South American midfielder that we finally make the transfer to Club America for. <laughs> That's what happens. It might be one of those cases where he's like one of those players that, um, that really impresses during training, but then doesn't get it up for the real game. I know after the game, Struber himself said, you know, that CCJ had impressed in that role in training. And that's why he made the starting 11. Um, I'm getting the sense that, especially based on a recent interview that Florian Velo did, because he said it himself that like he's basically trained at basically every position in this diamond. Yeah. And, um, you know, Struber has an idea of where Davis goes, where Clark went, surprisingly as a shuttler, that um, uh, Yuba Diara uh, at, at the base of the diamond. But then he's just like, oh, where do I fit CCJ? Okay, let him go up top. I don't care. Yeah. Um, well, the, the, the thing about that too, though, is like, I feel like that's unfortunately another problem of not having an actual full preseason. Right. Because yeah. It, yeah. It, like, it's easy to see certain things in training because, you know, your training sessions aren't full 90-minute sessions. So maybe in certain moments he does show it. But he's just not able to string it all across a full ninety-minute real game performance, and that—that's not uncommon. I mean, there are plenty of players who, in training, you know, show well. But com- com- games are fundamentally different than training. Um, it are there. It's very different. So yeah, I mean, it, it could be one of those things where he's—he's, he's, you know, in a in a shortened, more situational kind of training. He's—he's he's showing it, but. Yeah, you know, comes game time, especially for ninety minutes, just it's not there. 
And, you know, I think um, there are vibes, hopefully, that I get that this may have just been kind of a one-off experiment. I mean, I really kind of do hope that Caceres at the 10 was a one-off experiment because I think um, it doesn't really show it, especially when you consider the 10 in this role is supposed to be a bit more mobile, right? Because it's supposed to be shadowing the movement of the strikers to close down the passing lanes to additional options further up the field. That he like again, you know, like he's never had the physical attributes of covering, right? He doesn't. Ha- he, he's not mobile enough to cover that much ground. Um, he's so like if I can see at the ten, kind of uh, gets negated. But I do think uh, kind of uh, draws in the fact that we do have potential solutions to the situation at hand that I am going to get into in just a bit. Um, once we've uh, done, I think the stocks for this game, uh, but. Yeah, I think it begs the question, right? Like, I think uh, if it, if he if he's not mobile enough to be a ten, if he's not mobile enough to be a six, and his uh, like um, he doesn't have the ability to drive the ball forward as intently in the shuttling role as uh, some of his competitors do, where does he go? You know, I think um, it may very well have been one of the last ditch attempts at trying to see a potential fit for him in this system before some of the new blood comes in. You know, I think, uh, unfortunately, I think he definitely seems to be on the line here as a result of that. Um, so I guess to kind of round it out, guys, um, let's let's just do a quick uh, round table and stock up, stock down uh, for players that you saw this uh, match. Because I'm going so to be awarding my stock ups to Diara, Probably as a result of uh, not being here, I'm going to result a minor stock to Tom Edwards, who I kind of want to see out in the field soon, sooner rather than later, based on what we just saw. Um, stock up to, I think, Andrew Gutman, I think, as well, uh, and Caden Clark. I think uh, those guys. Oh, Florian Velo as well, I think, really showed that really nice uh, passing ability off the bench, right? Like some of those through balls. Uh, into Fab to I think uh, I think Tom Barlow I think at that point yeah those look really nice oh and I guess uh, on the topic of that stock ups also go to Patrick Klimala who I think can't really come here <laughs> soon enough based on uh, some of the uh, based on what we saw from some of the Death Strikers like Brian White was all right but Barlow man. It's a rough one, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of good things to say about that. I'm, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not really going to litigate Barlow chat again. Um, my stock downs, I think it's kind of obvious at this point, right? I think Cal Duncan, uh, unfortunately, Christian Caceres Jr. gets another one uh, based on my question of fit. Um, stock down. I will also gonna give to Danny Royer actually because he looked pretty obsolete coming off of this. Eh? But maybe aside he's from gonna... that one like defense splitting pass that he, <laughs> I'm convinced he did it by accident. But uh... <laughs> he does most things in accident. I feel like he's just that type of player who doesn't. Yeah, I just don't where know. Shit just happens. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like we talked about it last time that like you bring him in when the game state calls for it, and uh, I don't know if this game state called for it. <laughs> Fuck, it's it's just fucking austrian clint dempsey bro for all intents and purposes like that's a, that's that's all that's all it really is for me um so i'm gonna do oh sorry god no 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 i was done okay so i'm gonna do three 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 up and three down just to make it harder uh i'm gonna go gutman stock up i thought that was the most kamar like 
uh, performance we've seen from a left back in a while. I feel like this team has really struggled. Um, I feel like the left back position as a whole has struggled because even when we had Kamar, there was always that oh shit moment if he wasn't going to play because you just knew what was next. Um, so to see someone in that position really, really, really just fucking give it his all. I, I, I'm going to go as far as that's actually my player of the game. Just the, the, the intensity that he came out. He went out there and he's like, I'm going to fucking just give it my all. I He made some mistakes and all that, but the guy showed so much heart that game. He busted his ass that game. I, I Very, very high on him. Um, Diara, huge stock up. I mean, even I kind of saw him as just like, I would say your typical Salzburg loan, only because at least he's here from the beginning of the season and not in the midseason, where you know he's just filling a roster spot. But given his injury history, and unfortunately because of that, the fact that there's he just didn't have a, that much, you know, professional minutes, I kind of just saw him as a wild card. Like, yeah, he might he might do good if he stays like healthy and he gets ninety minute fit. He's gonna be a massive player for us. That's yeah. another person I haven't seen a performance like that since Tyler Adams. And I don't I don't say what as you said before. I don't want to compare them, but that is the most Adams like performance I've seen. Um, and I'm gonna give a stock up. To to the third one's tough. I'm tempted to give it to Velo just because he's shown now for the third manager, third different type of of, of playing style. Assuming you would could you would call whatever Chris Summers had as a playing style, he's shown that he can adapt, and it's it's cool hearing that he can play in. Yeah, you know, he's played in all four you know roles in a diamond, and, and and it seems like he could be a good utility option. I'm gonna give it to Clark only because. I kind of saw him as, I don't say a mean player, that's probably a little too harsh, but just as like, really, like this kid just comes on, strolls onto the field, and just scores absolutely ridiculous goals, and like that's it. This this game showed that, okay, you know, no, he's he can play. This kid is good. He's he's a good player. He's super young, but I can this is the first game I saw from him where I can say, okay, now I understand why people are high on him. Now I know why Leipzig already interested him. Now I can see why there's, you know, a bit of hype around him. Because it wasn't just the fact that he scored yet again another just kind of like seriously kind of fucking goal. But I thought he was just – he was good that game. He, he, he did the he, dirty work, yeah. Yeah, he did a lot of dirty work. He covered ground. He was, he was pressing well. He was very, very, very smart on the ball. Um, extremely impressed with his composure under pressure. Especially at his age, that's usually where a lot of the you know the younger guys kind of fall apart. I was, I was, I was impressed with him. That he he showed me that that he deserves to be on that field. So that's my third stock up. Uh, stock down. I mean, like we're talking like penny stocks now with 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 Duncan. Like, I'm, oh man, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> I, I'm he, I, I'm sure he's a good dude, but like removing. All parts of that, just strictly soccer. He, 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 he's more I, like Bitcoin, if anything, dude. I think he's Bitcoin. No, like he's extremely no, volatile, he's, dude. I mean, he, is, is he is he is is he Bitcoin because like the weirdest people on earth are are interested yeah. in, in acquiring? Actually, him? yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Like the 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 the, like, the pedo bent, basically. Yeah, like I, I don't know, man. I mean, maybe I am being a little too harsh, but I feel like I've seen I've seen too much. 
I've seen too much of right. like just basic things. You know, I can't get over the fact that he still just he's he's not able to to adapt to thinking quick, and that's going to be brutal in this type of system. I and maybe he just got too comfortable uh, 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 with with that with Armis, and he just needs to to adjust. Maybe. I would love for him to prove me wrong. I would love for every single player that I've ever talked shit on to prove me wrong because that means we have better players and, and we have a better chance of winning. But man, that was grim. <laughs> that was that was not a good performance at all. And and there were other moments too in that second half that we got very lucky. Very, very lucky. Um second stock down is gonna be Casarus. I don't know where he fits on this team. I don't uh, he's another one where I just, I just, I'm, that's it. I'm selling. <laughs> I'm selling. I'm done. I'm not riding. I'm not, fuck to the moon. That's just parked. I'm done. Um, and Barlow. Barlow's like. I think that, I think I would call that penny stocks, dude. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's, that's, that was, that was not a good performance at all. And, and it's another thing where. Like, I could give it to White because I feel like he just looked totally out of place. Like, oh, shit, like, I have to actually do things now. And his comments kind of backed up that that's really what was going on with him on the game. But I feel like he's he's still solid. I feel like he still gets himself in, 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 into places to make things happen sometimes. He's at least scored goals. I mean, they're, they're not super impressive, but there's something about him that I, I, I'm – uh Barlow was just ah man, that was I that was not a that was that wasn't fun watching him on the field. <laughs> and uh let's go to Juan. Oh, okay. Uh try not to uh tread over what, what what Fernando's already said. Uh stock ups, I think I think the new guys all impressed. I don't think I mean you're starting from zero, so it's really hard to not impress Bar of like scoring three own goals in this game. Uh, stock up someone we haven't mentioned Sean Nealis. I did not expect Sean Nealis to start this game. Yeah. Um, and he did, uh, he, he did what, what Chris Armis was trying to get Tim Parker to do. I think that's what, but somehow he was better in the air, um, and had his Alice band on in his hair. Um, I think stock up. I'm going to say, like I said, uh, Sean Davis, we could see what he's capable of doing when you play to his strengths. Um, yeah. Not necessarily asking him to do too much, asking him to play fast, asking him uh, to move the ball quickly. Um, and not necessarily in the second half where he's just like spraying balls out uh, to the wings, uh, which makes me just thankful that I'm not seeing Chris Armas asking him to do what he's asking Michael Bradley is doing over at Toronto. God forbid. Um Stocks down. We've talked about Duncan. We've talked about CCJ White. I think Brian White is just. I I think he's a weapon you bring off the bench. I don't think he's he's a player you start in this particular role. I think I think uh, the Brian White we saw is the Brian White we're gonna get. And I think I don't think he's going to magically turn into. Uh, I could be wrong, but he's not like gonna turn into Chris Wondolowski all of a sudden. But um, uh, I don't think we should be expecting him uh, to be uh, starting caliber. I think I think he has the tool. He has certain tools that our other strikers don't have. 
Um, and then I guess my final stock down would be Daniel Shallowy because I just hate his I hate his stupid face. I hate <laughs> I hate seeing him score goals. Fuck him and whatever whatever like fascist football school that Peter Vermees called up to get him from in Hungary. I just hate I, I hate thinking about him. Get him out of here. I take it that you won't be eating any beef goulash anytime soon. I won't be reading Sebastian Gorka's uh, Twitter posts. Oh, it's okay. I don't either. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Not even ironically. I don't even read them in my Bond villain voice. Yeah, that's just brain poisoning, bro. <laughs> congratulations uh, to congratulations to Peter Vermees. <laughs> I, I am. I am major I, league soccer game. I've told you I'm solidly like good vibes only 2021. So yeah, I'm trying not to poison my brain in that sense. Um, okay. I have to say the, the, the biggest, I think the biggest shock and, and I, I probably should have given Royer actually the, the, the third stock down. I think of all the players, the one I'm the most convinced about in either direction is Daniel Royer is not a player for this team anymore. One hundred percent. I I I can see. I can see. Uh, I can put together some reasons, even if they might seem a lot outrageous, for why White is a solid backup. Um, I can put together reasons, even for Barlow. He can't score, but I, I you know, he's he's not he's not going to you know drop a lot of goals, but he's he's it's his speed he's more than anything with Barlow. Yeah, yeah, you like, know, Roy he can, doesn't he have can, any of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I feel like. Barlow can can cause just enough trouble where if 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 he's next to the right person things can happen. Um, realistically, if either once once Fabio and and Kamala are, are both available, if White or Barlow is starting, something happened. So once those guys are starting, White and and Barlow are just afterthoughts. I I almost don't even care. Royer yeah. was fucking just absolutely atrocious the the biggest complaints i've had about him even under chris armis were just exacerbated with with struber when when it came when it comes time to actual like to to do things not in slow motion the amount of times he just not slowed the game down but literally stopped it was infuriating i cannot believe how many times he got the ball and it's like Okay, we're we're just gonna we're gonna have a picnic, right here in the field. All of us. We're just we're gonna eat hot dogs and burgers and strawberries. It's it was insane. It was fucking insane. I could not believe it. And the very first ball that went to him, I'm like, please don't fucking do it. Please don't do. It. At least pretend like you think forward. No, the fucking guy got the ball and just like stood, like like fucking like you know he he's a captain of a fucking ship. Just you know. Hand on his forehead, just looking across, saying, "Hmm, what do I do now?" Like, just the worst. That that was. I don't. I don't want to see him on the field again. If I see him on, I'm gonna be fucking livid. There's, <laughs> there's five subs for this whole season. He should be the sixth. Maybe, maybe he's a concussion sub. I'll accept that. Oh man. Besides that, I no, no, absolutely the fuck not. I, I, uh... And at, at least with an Armis, I was okay with it because it did, nothing mattered anyway. But at least you were gar- You were. You were. You had a good chance of just a fun, pure shithouse goal. I don't want that. We're beyond that. I don't want shithouse goals anymore. Maybe if like we're up five nothing, fuck it. Shithouse a goal for number six or seven. But for an actual like real player 
to do meaningful things? Absolutely not. Well, I mean, I'm yeah. never going to knock a shithouse goal because the goal is a goal. But I think my, my knock for him is exactly like you said, right? He doesn't really move the ball quickly enough to, I think, uh, be an asset in the system. And, you know, I think with all the, the extra touches that he likes to take, you know, you have to ask yourself at some point if there's going to be players who play faster or make better decisions and drive at the ball at the goal more directly. It's always kind of been a knock at him, right? He can't really dribble. He can't really pass. He can, he's only really good off the ball. Right, gets himself in a good position to at least have a go, but you know, I think, um, I think, uh, you know, I think uh, now that we're playing as direct as we are with guys who are expected to get on the ball a lot more and be a lot more mobile, like uh, you have to wonder, like, if he's really going to be a fit in that sense, especially with all the quick vertical combinations that Struber likes to have, right, for a guy who can't really play with the ball at his feet. Uh, you wanted to say something, one. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to take a step back and not sort of like uh, evaluate all the guys on our roster based on this particular game because I think this game it wasn't special, but I think the idea is that um, we were chasing the game, we gave up the lead, and so we were we're thinking of who can we bring in to sort of make those changes. And I think if you want to look at big picture stuff of what the plan is for this roster, really is if we scored two goals in the first half, right? If we score early... Like how much? Like how key is it for this team that we need to come out of the gate swinging and score, get that early goal, the uh, the, the the mantra get one get four? Because otherwise, when we have the situation where it's nil nil at halftime, and then you know we get one or uh, we fall behind in the second half, then suddenly we just need like who are guys we bring in to make those changes? Who do we uh, who do we bring in uh, to get on the end of chances? And I think. Um, the point of having these new guys is that we don't put ourselves in that position to begin with, right? That we're already <laughs> two yeah. nil up come halftime and that we don't have to worry about maybe three nil. We bring Royer in three nil. We bring in Brian white, Tom Barlow. Maybe they get garbage time goals, but I think that's, I think, I think what Struber wants is that we're scoring by committee in the first half. So as not, we're not in these weird positions, which I think could be an Achilles heel for this team, but I think, um, I believe, like you know, more often than not, if if we can if we can come out of the gates and score early, five out of six times, and then that sixth time we fall behind, uh, and <laughs> lose two one, I would be fine with that. Yeah, I guess uh, on the topic of uh, the plan, the big picture stuff, right? I guess this would be the natural seek into uh, talking about the big news of uh, the. Big news of the week, right? I think um, it's been a very eventful uh, week in terms of player personnel um, being brought in and the like. Um, I mean, let's see. Let's begin. I think at the top of the week, Tom Edwards announced that he's in training, so he may be available for selection sooner rather than later. I'm not necessarily sure if it's going to be for the road trip to L.A., but we have announced the last two, I think, uh, outstanding transfer first team transfers right that have been the works for a couple weeks now so franuel is here ladies and gentlemen yes frankie amaya joining the red bulls from uh, fc cincinnati following a pretty big million tam dollar trade um and of course um the pride of a uh, a cry of elation across uh, central new jersey as uh, they announced the arrival of uh, their Polish god, 
Patrick Klimala from uh, Celtic joining us on a $3.5 million deal. I think, um, you know, I think um, very much two very big transfers, right? Not just in terms of outlay, but in terms of uh, what they may be potentially con- contributing to the team. You know, I think it's also worth pointing out, right? Klimala, inter- young DP international slot, signed on a four-year deal, right? He's not alone like some of these other guys. The team decided to make a commitment for him right now. I think very big in context of the uh, in context of uh, the loans that we decided to opt. I mean, not even big Fabio is here on a permanent basis. So I think getting a permanent deal should indicate how high the team is at the very least on the idea that Klimala can deliver the goods uh, during his time here. You know, I think... Um, so let's talk about fit for these new guys, right? I think... Um, Amaya is a pretty interesting one because I think it creates even more questions for the midfield configuration. Because I think, judging from the sound bites, you know, I think uh, my impression is, is that he could have slotted in at the ten because of his tenacity in the press and his ability to dribble. But it also seems that Struber seems sees him as an option like further down the field, right? Like in either the shuttling one of the as one of the shuttlers in the diamond, or even potentially as the base. You know, I think that was the interesting thing. He's that he sees him as more of being a more of a withdrawn option. So potentially depth at all three midfield roles. Pretty interesting. You know, I think uh, if you see his body of work. Um, I think at FC Cincinnati, like you can see, like the comfort, comfort, comfort on the ball. Uh, always happy to dribble it up the field. Very good at the ball at his feet. And, you know, I think he's shown some pretty decent work in the counter press, right? And I think very tenacious, always in your face, always nipping at you like a certain uh, dearly departed Alex Muil, right? Maybe that's going to be some, uh, some, some of that's going to be brought back, hopefully. Um, and then you move on to Klimala, who I think, you know, I think, uh, has, has a number of question marks in himself, right? I mean, I think, uh, as, uh, we know, I didn't really set the world on fire in Scotland, which I think is half the reason why he's coming here to begin with. Wasn't really a fit at Celtic, um, struggled as a lone striker against the bunkering team, which I think should could be a small red flag potentially considering how much our teams tend to struggle against bunkering teams. But, you know, I mean, again, like he's not going to be asked to operate as a lone striker uh, in the system. And on top of that, like it kind of sounds like it's going to be suited to his strengths, right? One of the things that you hear a lot from the Celtic side is how a, he hasn't gotten a fair shot at minutes B, they seem to think that he'd be a better fit for a team in the counter because that unlocks his best strength, which is running in behind defenses into space, right? Using his pace and his power to get in behind. And I think Klimala especially is going to be a potentially pivotal piece in unlocking Fabio's potential as well, right? I mean, just imagine those two bearing down on you like two freight trains at the same time, right? In transition. Mm, that's some chef's kiss <laughs> shit right there, man. I tell you, oh my god, I don't even know like uh, what Polish Brazilian fusion cuisine would look like, but you know, I mean, I, I, I'm taking suggestions because I think some I'm some kind of sausage, like a sausage stew, right? Like, what if you had like a feijão with like kielbasa Ooh. or something? That'd oh, be real man. nice, eh? Oh <laughs> <laughs> man. So yeah, I mean, like that. I mean, it's a potentially delicious combination. 
You know, it's not just a metaphor. I think Feijão and Kielbasa, amazing, dude. Like, holy shit. Like, I'd sign up for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, your thoughts on these new uh, these new recruits, gents? Yeah, um, if I can talk uh, about... Oh, go on, go on Fernando. Uh, yeah, no, that is just... It, it's, it's, uh, it's a hell of a commitment. I mean, the last time this team has paid anything close to that was for, for Kaku. All right, uh, 4.9, 4.8, yeah. Or tomorrow. <laughs> Um, that was a, uh, a three point, four point eight, four point nine million dollar transfer. Um, it's uh, it's not the usual three plus two. So a lot of DPs will get a three year guaranteed and then uh, two year uh, two year option. He got four years guaranteed and one and one year option. So that's a five year commitment. That's a you know that that's a long commitment. Um, and. Uh, yeah, this is someone who who you know he's he's only twenty two, but he's got well over a hundred you know professional appearances under his belt. So he's not like a you know young draft player coming out of college you know about to go face against real grown men for the first time. This is relatively seasoned player at this point. So um, he did well uh, with his previous two team. I think well enough. Uh, didn't didn't seem to fit really Celtic at all. So. You know, it's one of those things where if the player has at least some kind of of positive history, but more importantly, if you look at their attributes and, and you, you watch footage and you see how they kind of play on an individual level, it, it provides more clarity. So I feel like when you watch some of the clips on him and, and more with his time before Celtic, there's definitely a player that it makes sense that fits here. And this isn't exactly a team that obviously spends – multiple millions on a player. Um, and the last time they did it was Gaku, and he was fantastic for us uh, in 2018 when he was being managed by someone who actually knew what he was doing. So I I have a lot of faith that both uh, Thewell and Schuber together have, have you know, really looked looked through this guy and come through and, and, and picked someone, pick someone solid. Uh I, I would be shocked if this is another, you know, Jorgensen with, with, you know, the two Stooges. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, he's know. not Danish for one. I think that helps. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive, pretty positive. I'm pretty excited to see him play. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I think him next to, to Fabio is going to be very interesting once they kind of gel. And the thing with playing two strikers is they they, they really both got to be on the same page, um, and and I feel like yeah their individual characteristics kind of, will will kind of play together. The the I think the key is going to be that tip of the diamond and and having someone there who is going to be able to you know shadow them the right way and 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 you know kind of just be that good link and 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 you know that good service. Um, Amaya, you know, million dollar, million dollars of of MLS funny money. That's a significant investment. You know, that that's a lot of money for for such a young kid, and it that especially for a kid that seems to be I want to say a project, but someone that that Schubert himself said is definitely um, someone that's going to be on a bit of a learning curve for the role that he wants him to use him in. But he has a lot of confidence that he can develop into that. And, and not take too long. So, yeah, I mean, these are, I feel like these two, I was, I felt comfortable and pretty excited going into the season without those two. 
But those two signings definitely definitely launched me into a whole new category. I'm very, very excited to 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 see these guys, you know, finally join the team. Yeah, I forget that Frankie Amaya is only twenty years old. Like I re- that he was a draftee that I expected him to be older than he actually was. Uh but no, he's a young man and uh uh hopefully he turns out better <laughs> than uh the last uh uh, college midfielder out of UCLA that we signed. I'm talking about Leo Stoltz, of course. Um, oh, but he's oh, a burnout God. legend, though. Hey, hey, now. like he's an um, icon in that sense. Iconic. Uh, he's a dentist now or some shit, isn't he? Hopefully, maybe he. I hope he's doing something useful and not like working from for Deutsche Bank, learning how to. He's uh, he's, he's a Twitch streamer money. actually. Oh yeah, hopefully something. <laughs> some, Still better than working for some as some accounts intern at Deutsche Bank. Um, on Klimala, I think it's funny to watch the clips of watching Fabio's highlights at OSG in Brazil and his clips from Alberix Niigata in the Japanese second division, and then also watching Klimala. Like Fabio is coming in, a lot of his goals are him coming in from the left hand side, and then Klimala is him coming in from the right. It's very funny to think of them playing together. Oh, that is a good and point, just, actually. And yeah. not necessarily getting in each other's way. Um based on like I was watching he doesn't like Klimala doesn't actually have that many goals. Not that he's not prolific as a striker, but it just happens that uh, you can find all of his goals online. Um uh, especially, I mean, his goals from Celtic and his goal, he only has three goals in Celtic, and then he has like eight at um, Biawistock in uh, the Extra Classa, but all very similar. I mean, it, it's he has a few headers in there. He has some left-footed finishes, but mostly it's a lot of smart runs in the channels. He hits it first time a lot of the time, um, and, one, and something that stood out for me, uh, uh, one thing that I loved is that he really likes to just rip it high to the near post. And I know Lenz as a goalkeeper, that is a nightmare for you, but uh, that's a very useful goal to score. And I think if two goals stood out to me, um, the first goal he scored for Celtic was in a friendly against Nice. And that was one where uh, we almost saw it happen with Fabio, right? Where Fabio was hassling uh, the goalkeeper and then the goalkeeper copped up the ball uh, in this case, Klimala actually caught the ball, uh, hackling the goalkeeper, and shot into an empty net. And then uh, the second goal is the one we've all seen. It's the one against St. Johnston, where the center back goes in, uh, uh, almost committing manslaughter, which would only be a yellow in Scotland. Oh, I, I love that imagine. clip. It's so good. Shakes it off, and um, and then again, rips it high to the near post near post finish beats the goalkeeper. And let me say, cause I actually looked into that goal. That goal was scored in the 93rd minute. Oh, nice. He came yeah. in as a sub in like, I think the 50th minute, I think. And then that's, I, that's what I want. I just want guys to kill people in the 93rd minute. What, I need to what a, Oh, sorry. No, no, finish your thought. No, no, that was it. Yeah, no, I mean, I was just going to say what I love about that clip is that it's reminiscent of good old times, right? The center back tries to kill you, break your leg. You just shrug him off and just bury it top corner. Like there I was, he would have earned so many points if he went over and did the Van Nistelrooy like Andorra <laughs> celebration right after that. <laughs> like, th- like just put his nuts in his face for like trying to break him. You know, like that would be so fucking good. And in that sense, you know, I mean, I think it's clear. Right? It builds on a trend of what we've seen of uh, player recruitment on the player on the in the striker department, especially. Right? We talk about guys have a lot of raw power and a lot of raw pace. I mean, maybe he's not as explosive as Fabio is, but certainly is a very powerful striker. Right? And the way he just manages to shrug off like 
basically a two-footed challenge. <laughs> like, just gets up and buries a top corner. I mean, like, that's that that's nutty, right? And it fall, builds on a trend that we've observed at various Red Bull Global Clubs, right? These are generally the types of strikers that they look for, right? I mean, Salzburg with Pats and Daka. Of course, I think the big name that people will bandy about is uh, that fucking gross guy, Holland. But Ugh. that's another pretty, like, good comparison to talk about like this is what red bull's looking for in strikers basically right like those raw powerful guys who run the channels extremely well in transition and just bury it right just bury it every single time like you know i think if he can contribute that we have grounds to be excited you know and again like i'm not saying that patrick clamala is going to be the next erling brout holland you'd probably have to think that i'd be insane for saying that but you know, I think the the, the 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 direct play style is pivotal here, right? Because we talk about speed and transition. That's what you want, right? As soon as the ball's turned over, it's one back, they just go. Fabio can do that. Klimala, I think, can do that. Jason is a channel running, you know. I think um, that's exactly what you want to see, right? Like, directness in transition. Most of the guys that we were, like, um, looking at bringing in this season, they exemplify that. Direct, direct, direct in the channels. They just go. And I think, you know, it, it, it underlies this idea. You know, there's a very specific way the manager wants to play, and it's been mostly backed up by the sporting director getting out and getting them. Okay, You know, I think, like, big, big offs to Kevin Thelwell for that, you know, and now it's really up to Gerhard Struber to get the best out of these guys that he's been given because it basically negates the excuse that he hasn't had the resources that he needs, Right. Struber, to his credit, has recognized this. He says he's been very happy with his signings. So eat shit, Barnsley. You're <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I, yeah, you know, and like you know, it's like we said. Like I think it was touched upon in once a metro earlier this, like earlier last week. But this has the potential to be like probably the best squad in terms of talent that he's worked with. So it really no, I think excuses. I think in your ability to not get anything out of this team, like you can't say that you haven't not had the resources given to you because again, like, like it seems that the managers identified the players that he wants and the sporting directors went out and got him based on like uh, the profiles of these players that he's bringing in, you know, it all points towards a cohesive plan. That's going to be pretty fun to at least see develop over the course of the season. Um, it's basically just a very long winded me. A of me saying that I think Klimal is going to score 40 goals by the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. No one take that seriously. I'll put my nuts in your mouth if you do. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> anyway. Damn, I really killed the conversation with that one, huh? Oh, um, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, I don't know if you were gonna follow up on the threat, but um, <laughs> if I followed up with any of the threats I've made on this podcast, we'd probably be on an FBI list by now. Oh, yeah. And in fact, I think uh, we probably are, to be honest, in our defense. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, that's one listener. Uh, that's nice to have. Um, I guess one thing I I saw the picture of uh his uh Klimala's agent put it on uh on instagram and i noticed that klimala had a full head of hair and uh i'm curious if he will shave it off to go back to uh how he wore it uh 
at uh, at Bialystok and at Celtic. Uh, I think that 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 uh, that work looks for him. I think it's a, it provides a good uh, a good foil to whatever Fabio wants to do. I mean, like it, 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 what I appreciate about it is that he just emanates so much old school energy, right? Like, I think not just in terms of his play and his ability to shrug off these terrible challenges, but also how he just kind of resembles like early prison break Wentworth Miller. It is like absolute vibes. Like we it's just need, throwback season need, for them. We need bald strikers. You think about past teams that have succeeded. We had a bald guy scoring goals. Think yeah, no, it. that's true. We basically Luke Rogers, Bradley Luke Rogers, Wright Bradley Wright Phillips, Thierry Henry had a shaved Thierry head by the time he showed up. Head. What's Jan Kohler up to nowadays? Does anyone know? <laughs> <laughs> the biggest of the big lads. The Oh no no no! Because that would be Nicholas Zigic, and that would be oh, so shit housey, oh, dude. Jesus like Christ. that would be like the penult. No, sorry, the like epitome of like small club shit is bringing oh, Zigic goodness. into shit house. Or maybe Kevin Davies. Shout out to all our old school listeners, oh, like <laughs> everyone who remembers watching Premier League in like two thousand seven. Those were the best vibes, dude. Like, fuck what everyone thinks about this Bundesliga shite. Bundesliga is <laughs> nuts, bro. Like, I mean, like... <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I guess I will just draw it back. You know, I think, um, again, you know, I think uh, just to maybe put a bow on new player discussion, you know, I think uh, it poses a question for the midfield. I think in the case of Frankie Amaya, especially, you know, I think... We have a litany of options there, and I seriously have no idea like what the best midfield configuration is going to be. You know, I because we we have to factor in the fact that now apparently Drew Yearwood is healthy and available for selection. Oh, On top yeah. of that, you know, like I think it it was touched upon like uh, earlier um, after the game against SKC, right? It was a, there was a small uh, question from mostly Bull and Y asking, you know, like who's the odd man out in this midfield configuration now, especially factoring in that you have Amaya. And, you know, I mean, I think you look at the talent in hand. I think uh, I would probably say that it's Christian Caceres Jr. Sorry, pal. But um, but then there's also this idea, you know, I mean, like, do you move Davis up? Can you move Davis up? How do you fit Drew Yearwood in? How do you fit Florian Velo in, right? He looks so good off the bench. Like, yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. be privy to say that he's not going to not have a role this year. Like, we have so many looks, you guys. Like, how do you think this midfield's going to look? Like, all, when all is said and done, anyone want to try and take a stab at that? Uh, I'm thinking that that Struber is like thinking of uh, we're playing a bunch of games, and uh, he'll give the midfield different looks just to rotate guys so guys aren't being run into the ground. Um, maybe knock on wood that <laughs> that Caden. That at the same time that uh, Aaron Long is being stolen from us by uh, uh, U.S. Soccer, maybe Caden Clark goes with him, and that we have new looks in this midfield. Uh, but it should be interesting. I don't know if Struber has an idea of. I don't. I didn't see what he would do, like what kind of rotation he would have done at Barnsley. But I guess uh, that's my imagination. If he wants to cycle guys in and out, so he's not running dudes into the ground. Yeah, I honestly have no idea. Uh, only, I'm, not, I'm hesitant to even give a guess just because I want to see more. <laughs> I want to see more guys in the system first before I really can even think about what kind of 
you know, what, what's the lineup going to settle in at? You know, does does Drew Yearwood fit at all in this? You know, can he can he do with what what Struber is going to is going to ask for? Can Amaya actually play in a more advanced attacking uh, role, even if it might be a little uncomfortable for him? Um, yeah, I feel like there's there's so many questions, and that's kind of what makes this season a bit exciting. Is there's there's a lot of questions. Um, hopefully, get answered sooner than later. But there's definitely some some interesting questions, and yeah, that uh, yeah, that, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this shakes up. I, I honestly have no idea. I think it's nice, at least from that standpoint, that the main question we're asking ourselves week in, week out, right, isn't what the fuck are they doing like it was like in the last couple of years. But now it's a question of, I know what you're doing. So how does this all fit? Who fits where? What? What? What's going to become of it? You know, I think like at all points, again, you know, like it's very nice to see that we that there is strong evidence of a plan being put into place. And naturally, as a result of that, I think the questions that evolve from that are measured against a very consistent benchmark, you know. So I think the very sense that the discourse changing in the way that it has over the course of one offseason, you know, I think it's it's sort of like a self. Um, it's sort of like a self whatchamacallit, self-evidencing, I think, I would say, in um, the way that I think the perception of this team has shifted at the very least. You know, I think people are willing to give this uh, some goodwill. We'll see how it's going to shake out. Um, and more importantly, there's some very good, or there's going to be some very good competition for slots this year. I mean, I love how competitive this team looks on paper internally, right? With guys fighting for these spots you know i ah man like it really sucks that we didn't get like an extended preseason so that we can draw more definitive conclusions but you know i mean i think um these early season games are basically preseason anyway right you talk about how they um are probably going to take about uh still getting up to 90 minute fitness and of course to that on top of that like i'm fairly certain that some of these guys like amaya and klamala especially are still at least maybe at least a couple of weeks away from potentially contributing, especially in Klamala's case, because I think he's still pending his visa. Amaya may make a cameo this uh, weekend on the road against Chicharito and friends, but, you know, I mean, uh, it'd, be, it'd, it'd be fun. You know, I mean, like, uh, I guess uh, it's kind of a cop-out for anyone who was uh, hoping that we'd be able to take a stab at this, but, yeah, I mean, I'm with you guys. Like, hard to really say anything right now. Yeah. And I hate saying if, uh... this, you know, but... <laughs> It'd be uh, funny if if Amaya has just hasn't been with uh, FCC this entire time, and he's just been at home in California, and he just shows up on the front door on on Sunday, like, "All right, guys, ready to go." Oh, and then uh, they ask. <laughs> oh no, he's been with the first like, team. Never mind. This no, I saw they, him in training. Never mind. This joke doesn't work. I'm sorry. It was like, "Friend Noel, where have you been?" And be like, "Oh, I was at Starbucks." It was like for the last two or three weeks. And he was like, "Yeah." You know, like pure, <laughs> pure Tim Parker and Tijuana Starbucks vibes. Vibe. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're talking about the midfield. I'm just hoping that Struber doesn't like, isn't like, uh, we, we, we played with the diamond originally, but now we shall try another geograph- ge- geometric shape. We will try transitioning from the diamond into an, into an isosceles trapezoid. And he just recreates the 4222 again. And we're like, oh, God, here we go. <laughs> I will now reveal the, the figurative ace up my sleeve. 
none of them will be expecting this. It will catch them like a left hook from the great Muhammad Ali against George Foreman. <laughs> we will rope a dope no longer. <laughs> it is when I was deep in thought listening to the operatic works of Wagner the other night that I think we shall be like the Valkyries. <laughs> we shall be like the Valkyries uh, triumphing to victory. I will be very worried about Germanic people making reference to Valkyries in any shape or form, by the oh. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Especially, yeah. Or unless yeah, he's like, yeah. it, I don't know what's the worst thing. He's like, yes, like the Valkyries, like from your Marvel movies. Oh, no. I mean, just oh, as long man. as the name Lenny Riefenstahl doesn't make an appearance at any point, like, I think I'd be okay with that. Oh, um, no. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, we're diverging <laughs> too not, far that's, into... Uh, that's, uh, yeah, this is this we don't is have the zone. making weird propaganda films. This is this is the forbidden zone, and we're veering too closely to it. So I guess oh, um, we'll we'll round off the episode with a quick question from a friend, Eric Friedlander. Are you guys doing a Twitter space before and after the game? And I can tell you right now that I won't be there because it's a five thirty kickoff on Monday morning. So it's going to be very hard for me to basically watch that and then put in a shift at work. Like I'm sorry, I'm a salary man now, <laughs> doing salary man things, and it sucks the joy out of me. But what else are we gonna do? Oh, no, no, shut He's the fuck up! You've been working longer than me, dude. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck what you think. Like, I gotta get this bread, bro. I want to retire at the age of forty-five. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I guess uh, you know, I mean, Los Angeles, a lot like us, right? I think, um. Not a lot of quality on paper, I don't think. I mean, there's a reason why they've been basement dwellers in a, the Western Conference for as long as they have. I mean, even with um, Zlatan, right, not making the playoffs with, like, literally, like, <laughs> with literally having Zlatan Ibrahimovic on your team and not making the playoffs. I mean, that's pretty fucking sad, dude. <laughs> uh, <yeah>. Have we <laughs> played? Have we played LA with Chicharito yet? Have we played? I don't think so. No. I, I feel like of... with every every edition, every time we play LA Galaxy, they have some new guy, and we at least win one game. Like, and and like we we beat we managed to beat Slotson twice. I feel like uh, we're due a game where we just uh, make Chicharito look bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like at the end of the day, right? I mean, like the guy doesn't really offer that much in terms of combination player linking. So as long as you cut off his service, like he's basically useless. Maybe, and, like, maybe, maybe we he'll just poach tell, a goal here we, and there, but yeah, maybe we start Andres Reyes, and he just like understands to just ruin his day. I, oh, I'm understanding that <laughs> you play that uh, there's a, there's a term called conca-caffing, and I understand you are you are South American, but I want you to destroy his spirit. He's uh, going to give them the uh, Jose Antonio Reyes treatment, right? Like the Neville brothers just kicking the shit out of him until he gets fed up and leaves. I think oh, that'd be man. pretty fucking peak, man. <laughs> that would be so peak. Um, I'm not going to give a prediction for this game because I don't really... I, I think predictions are kind of silly anyway. Uh, I just, I'm very much in wait-and-see mode to be open, open the season. Yeah, we're still I just want to see this team a, play, God fucking yeah, damn man. it. Like, what the yeah. fuck, dude? We're still in a state where, like, the roster isn't finished. Like, there's still guys. Yeah. Not every guy on the roster is available. So if we lose, even if we lose this game, we're like, not to make excuses, but we're like, 
you know, Patrick Clemala still isn't here or, uh, you know, Tom Edwards still might not be here. So. Yeah. I mean, it's good uh, that. The... Uh, Sorry. Yeah. But I, I definitely still, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie. I'll be disappointed if they don't win. Um, you know, that was one of the yeah, big things about actually, 2018 is, yeah, that was one of the big things about 2018 is, is, you know, we were deep enough. And there was a, there was, and because there was such a clear vision with, with how things were supposed to be, they were able to rotate massively against Portland. And we just laughed the whole game because they just absolutely demolished them. You yeah. know, fucking Ben Mines Day. So oh, yeah. maybe oh, wow. it's, <laughs> maybe it's a little harder this year because there was no preseason or virtually no preseason or, or a long enough preseason for them to really kind of, uh, you know, you know, gel together. Um, I mean, remember, Kaku was was uh, really not a, a big factor initially um, when you first uh, when you first came, just because of all, all that bullshit, you know, dragged down so uh, so long. So, yeah, I, I still look. I know we have some the teams that have some growing pains, but I still expect this team to to win. I mean, it, it's a roster. You know, built for a very specific purpose. Um, there's very clear and concise tactics. There's definitely going to be some growing pains, but I think I think the expectations should still be relatively high, even if it's not our full starting lineup. You know, yeah. if, if it's a if it's a if it's another game like against uh, Kansas City, I'm going to be a little worried. I would say worried, a little disappointed. Because I don't, you know, I want to see tangible improvement from game to game. Yeah. And quick. You know, there's, look, there's only four games in the next month. Three left, actually. There's only three or four games left in the next month. There's only four games left in the next month or something like that. Basically, there's not that many games. There's not that much congestion. So, you know, you have a good week in between games to, to, to kind of get your shit together. And, you know, it's, it's game time. This ain't preseason no more. I know it sucks that there wasn't much of a preseason, but this wasn't the only team that were unfortunate in that way. There are a lot of teams in this league that had games canceled left and right because of COVID. So it may not be a totally even playing field, but it's even enough where I, I, I can't, I can't see myself giving a pass for, you know, two, three, four games where it's, it's, you know, there's, there's not very, very clear leaps in performances. Yeah, I mean, I think like we said it, right? I think earlier, like he's, Gerhard Struber especially has gotten a whole ton of resources this offseason. And I think it'd be just very fair to say that you expect like an improvement in results after a while. You know, because I mean, like, um, you know, I think because again, you know, I mean, like, it's basically going to be a, um indictment of the plan, I think, if you don't see those tangible improvements that they've managed to convince themselves that this is going to be the structure that can work and it doesn't take right. Like after a while, people are going to be naturally expecting for the results to match the amount of investment that's been put into the team as with is with any other team, basically in sports. Right. And, you know, I think um, I'm, I'm with you, you know, I mean, like you, you do want to see like them building upon that. And, you know, I think there is grounds to say that there will be improvements because, I mean, again, we mostly lost the Kansas City game on two silly mistakes that were punished to the maximum that you're generally allowed to be punished by. Um, that, so, that 
you know, I mean, I think there probably is grounds to be optimistic that we will be able to resemble the team that we saw in the first half closely by the time we get up to full fitness more so than the team you saw in the second. But, you know, like, again, like, it's like, like, basically, it's not going to be super deep this take. But yeah, like you said, we're going to have to see results eventually. And I hope that, that we build upon that in the second week against Los Angeles on the road. Um, does anyone have any closing thoughts before we uh, round out the episode today? I think we're going to score an EDS goal. I think we're not going to have to <laughs> rely on Caden Clark scoring uh, another highlight reel goal. I think we actually, we're going to actually do something this time. That would be really nice yeah. to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, I do think that we are going to see a, a noticeable, um, a noticeable bump, noticeable bump in performance. I think for me, hearing Schuber pretty much immediately recognize what the issues were that game, as opposed to just rambling and, and flailing arms for, you know, 30 minutes in a press conference gives me a lot of hope that, you know, he's seeing, he's seeing things the way he should be. He's, you know, he's analyzing the game as, as a proper manager should, I mean, these are basic things that, that, you know, a, a good manager should be able to do. Um, so the fact that again, there's, you know, a week in between games and like I said, he he was very very clear in what he felt went uh, what uh, went wrong in that game. A week is is a good amount of time for professional you know high level professional players to to figure shit out and start making some corrections. So you know I do are are we gonna win you know can we win four nothing? Who fucking knows? But I definitely at the very least want to see a very clear jump in performance. I think we do get it. I think our players are smart enough, uh, talented enough, and our manager is smart and, and talented enough to, 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 you know, make some real changes and, and adjustments from the week to week, especially with uh, a, you know, a team that's, again, it's going to have these growing pains, but we got to make sure we're actually seeing improvement from week to week. But I do think we have finally the capability of seeing that kind of progress. It's not going to be, you know, a whole year long, you know, drag that bullshit. I, I think, I think, I think Sunday we're going to see a marked uh, difference in performance. Yeah. So let's see what transpires uh, Sunday evening slash Monday morning, my time. Um, I will probably be watching in tape delay. I mean, 5.30 kickoffs on Monday, man. Like, <laughs> that's kind of a no-go, man. I'm so sorry. But um, I guess for, but Fernando and Juan will be there, um, probably, like, uh, tweeting along, as you usually do, um, with uh, as the action. And I'll probably wake up uh, to see the result at full time and hopefully not scream what the fuck while I'm taking a shit <laughs> first thing in the morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that being said, um, ladies and gents, I mean, I think it would probably be um, good to say, right? I mean, like, Mr. Schuber, we have the players. Now, please just make us, like, not shit and full of yanks, please. I'm begging you. I'm on my <laughs> knees. I'm crying. Maybe my wife and kids will come back to me if uh, we lift the Force Supporters Shield and win MLS Cup this year. But, you know, I I, 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 I just really want to see this team play, man. Like, it goes without saying. So, I guess on that note, um, Juan Fernando, thanks again for your time this morning slash evening. My pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. I am too. And you know, hopefully uh, we uh, hopefully we uh, demolish Chicharito. 
make him uh, regret coming to America, ending the European oh, dream even more. That was like the funniest fucking video ever, dude. Like that was so histrionic. It's like a <laughs> ah, European dream is over. Like he's fucking Oliver Twist or some bullshit, crying in his fucking million dollar mansion. He's like Drake, man. <laughs> what a bitch. Honestly. <laughs> Papa, they won't let me play in Europe anymore. Oh no! <laughs> Fuck him, man. Seriously, I am yeah. fucking oh, lame, lame as shit. I hope they, in my life. I hope they press him to the point where he just he just like subs himself off. <laughs> he just goes full Paulo de Canio. He's like, no, 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 I don't play anymore. <laughs> That'd be so funny, dude. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, fuck Chicharito. If you actually <laughs> listen in this far, tweet sixty nine to Chicharito. Uh, <laughs> bad TV. Uh, we'll see you this next week don't be a stranger have a good night drives home safely goodbye